What's up, Africa? I'm Jackson Bungani in Washington. And I'm Nadia Sami. Thanks for joining us. We love to have you on board. This is Upfront on The Voice of America. Hot, hot. Upfront is a show that explores <laughs> issues that affect your daily lives. Don't move, don't move that dial. Get your snacks, get your cup of tea or your cup of coffee. Put your feet up. This is Upfront. <laughs> cheers, cheers. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, D.C. Now, analysts say that technology has been this great equalizer in terms of how Africans access information. Reports show that the number of internet-enabled phones used on the continent are over 300 million, and that number is rapidly growing. With increased internet penetration, more Africans are able to read news, watch television shows, and movies at cheaper and faster rates. Others, of course, continue to access information through the same old traditional mediums like uh, TV, radio, and others are going to movies or movie theaters. But the question I guess that we should be asking and, and we will be exploring on today's show is, has this increase in access to information meant that African produced content is also gaining new audiences among Africans on the continent and in the diaspora? Some of the producers, writers, actors that I've spoken to lament that Africans are more likely to watch a Western movie or Western TV show or prefer to consume Western-produced content instead of their locally produced content. Now, whether that has more to do with the quality of the product rather than the general test is debatable. But overall, we can say that around the continent and in the diaspora, the African diaspora, we have seen a growing interest in African content. And that is an encouraging trend for people working in the space of storytelling. But the challenges of growing an audience is something that many producers still struggle with. And the hope is that with more access to technology, people will begin to see quality African content as a great alternative to the other content they have been consuming. But most importantly, that writers, producers, and many others in the field of storytelling can harness this technology or digital technologies to produce high-quality content made by Africans for Africans. And in a way, that will help change the narrative about Africa. Let's get right into the show. But first, let's hear your opinions on this topic. Uh, I prefer watching Western movies. Uh, just because most of the African content uh, is poorly produced and they don't really know how to tell the story. But in Western movies, I think the story is just there. There's great entertainment, action. So I love that. That's why I love watching Western content than African content. I prefer African movies because I get the real picture of me as an African. I prefer Western movies because I think they have got more drama than Africans. I prefer African movies because mostly they focus on culture issues. In our generation, we are not used to reading. We are exposed to much of the videos and the rights. So we don't like much reading, but we like watching. I prefer to read because in reading, I get almost everything. Than the movie, the jump other uh, episodes. Uh, I prefer watching. Uh, I think it puts me in the moment, kind of. Yeah, it's like I'm there, I experience everything that I watch than in reading. I like recommend uh, movies because it's uh, somehow teaching us about our culture. Yeah, that's why I like local 
movies. Yeah, especially in the bookshops, then when we go there and some places where they are selling those movies and then we can find them there. Me, I always watch local African movies. That's why I prefer. Thanks to all of you for contributing your opinion to this topic. Now, we just had voices from South Africa, Malawi, and Uganda. If you want to add your voice to this conversation, hit us up on Facebook and search for Upfront Africa Show VOA. If you're just joining us on the show today, we're talking about how African content producers are growing local audiences in Africa and around the world using new technology to create quality content. The task of attracting viewers or listeners to consume African-related content is a challenge that many struggle with on the continent on a daily basis. Most producers, actors, directors complain that it's hard to get people on the continent to watch their movies, their TV shows, or read their magazines because Africans, as they say, prefer to watch Western content. But how much does this predisposition or inclination have to do with the quality of the product rather than the source or subject matter. Aina Fadina is a Nigerian-American creator, executive producer and host of a web series Eye of Africa, now in its third season. I reached her in New York. She talks to me about her project and the need for more African-produced content. Eye of Africa is a digital series that celebrates innovative individuals to inspire the Africa from a global context. And the premise was to change the narrative in mainstream media about what it is to be African and to be inspired by the continent. In addition to that, we wanted to show the different textures and layers of individuals who are inspired by the continent as well, too. And what kind of individuals do you profile? Initially, when I started off, I started off as a, from in the creative space. I was living in New York City. I was inspired by all my friends who were doing really interesting things in the creative space, in entrepreneurship. Um, and I realized that there was no one highlighting these individuals. And these are people that, you know, you don't see them on mainstream media. So I sort of shifted um, and said, okay, these people, I have immediate access to them. Why not just profile them? And in the last three or four years, it's it kind of evolved into business, tech, and also entrepreneurship as well, too. I just wrapped up the production for the upcoming season, which should be launching hopefully in, the, in Q1 of 2017. And we interviewed individuals from Andela. Um, Andela is a tech company that just received funding through the Zuckerberg and Chen Foundation. And their premise is... Um, you know, teaching individuals in Africa how to um, code and program and also kind of place them in jobs as well, too. I interviewed Chinedu Achuro, who's a Nigerian entrepreneur who started Hopstop, and he sold Hopstop to Google. I interviewed investors who invested in African and Broadway plays who are inspired by Africa, designers, um, you know, musicians. These are all very interesting individuals, very inspirational, very well mm-hmm. accomplished uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, people of African descent. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you hope watches this? Who are you targeting? Honestly speaking, so when I started, initially it was people inspired by the continent. So it could be of any age group. It's like, oh, I, I hear this music. I like the beat. Where is that beat from? I want to find out more about Afrobeat. Uh, also, I went to this, you know, Ethiopian restaurant in D.C. I want to learn about what, who Ethiopians are. So initially, it was like anyone interested in the continent. But as the project kind of continued, I honestly believe this content is for a global audience. Anyone that's mobile, anyone that travels, anyone that's interested in something outside of their norm, especially in today's day and age where, you know, we thought we're living in a very sort of open society and it's 
more insular than we think. Mm. So just anyone who's looking to just find out more, and you may not be interested about Africa, you may be interested in entrepreneurship or business or tech, if that makes sense. And um, I truly believe that the continent is for anyone that's open-minded. Mm. And, you know, I try to be mindful of putting like, oh, this is what the space of the consumer is, because in today's digital age, you do not know who has access to your information. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's out there for everybody. Now, the question exactly. is, is, have you seen an interest in... In, in this type of content, in, in Africa-related content? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, in, in 20, I started about, it was 2012 when I started. And at that time, I thought, okay, my audience is for Africa, if that makes sense, or mm. the diaspora. And then you became more my audience for the diaspora. And as time changed, and you realize that the number one song of a summer was one dance, which was Drake Future and Whiskey. Right. The most downloaded song on Spotify was One Dance, and Spotify history was One Dance. Um, you have all these artists who are signing to Rock Nation, and you know they're being, they're you know they're coming from the continent, and they're you know they're trying to make their way here, but they're still made. They are millionaires in Africa, showcasing these kinds of stories. But the the question is this then, um, you, since you're now targeting, you, you, you're basically targeting whoever wants, who is interested in this type of content, can access mm-hmm. it, can view mm-hmm. it. Um, so at the, at the end of the day, uh, I think the million dollar question that we've had a conversation about uh, before is, is, uh, is there a critical mass that is interested in this to the point that you will start making a living off of it? Is that the hop or do you see that? There's a gravitation among consumers' uh, willingness for them to actually start paying for for this type of uh, great content. Um, in terms of consumers paying for it, I don't think that's an avenue to go in terms of monetization of content. Because if you look at other kinds of content who are based in the Western media, consumers are not paying for the content. If that makes sense, they're paying for content through advertising, through brand sponsorship, through brand through brand partnerships. Um, Facebook invested heavily in BuzzFeed early on this year. So as an individual content producer, if, you're, if your hope is like, oh, so I'm going to have consumers pay for my content, it's not going to be a direct correlation, if that makes sense. You mm. know what I mean? I hear you. So yeah. people don't directly pay for content, ex- except, of course, uh, platforms like Iroko and, exactly. and, and, and others. Exactly. Uh, exactly. But do do you see... It- and things like that. And I, and, and I think there's a growing interest in that. For example, with my content, I've pitched to a couple of networks, and I've also pitched to, um, you know, one of some of the companies you've mentioned as well, too. Mm. 20, in 2012, I was having a different conversation. In 2012, I was being asked to give my content for free to these brands, and my answer was no. And, um, and the conversation is, is, is changing now. Oh, it's changing. In mm. 2014, I was offered X amount, you know, a certain amount of dollars for them to acquire my content, and I said no, and because I wanted to build a product and build a brand and also understand the market. So they, they're now they're not more willing to, you know, fork some cash to you exactly. to acquire your content, exactly. whereas previously they would say, just give it to us. We might play it. We might not play it. Exactly. It is. <laughs> We'll be back with Daina Fadina, producer of Eye of Africa, a digital series that celebrates individuals of African descent on the continent and in the diaspora.
I just like to see South Africans doing something and getting more work because, you know, they don't really have work. And we have quite good actors, good producers. There's a lot more that people don't know. There is a major boost in the amount of African literature and movies and even series that we're seeing now and reality shows as well, much more so than ever before. With books in particular, I mean, there are so many rising novelists around the continent. Look at um, Adichie, etc. Lots of young people who are really making waves with their fiction, award-winning stuff, and it's become more accessible than ever before. And that's a really exciting thing to see. When we look at movies and productions as well, um, Africa is a popular destination for, and has always been a popular destination for overseas producers to come and make their films here because it's so much cheaper. But in recent years, there have just been so many uh, locals who are shooting their own films and making a great success of it. I like to watch movies quite a lot and I think over the past year or so whenever I go to the movies there's at least one or two local offerings um, on at the cinema, premiering at the cinema and that's very exciting because before we just, we didn't see that numbers, we didn't see the traction and before we didn't see people really supporting local as much as they do now. I think the quality of local production has really increased so much more and also the support for local artists local musicians, local novelists, movie makers it's just it's more than ever before it's really exciting Welcome back this is Upfront on the Voice of America I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington DC Nadia Sami is in Johannesburg, South Africa now if you just joined us today Today's show looks at the increasing need for African-produced content and what producers or people in the media or art space are doing to grow their audiences using new technologies and taking advantage of the increasing accessibility to the internet by people across the African continent. Aina Fadina is still with us. We're talking about her series, Eye of Africa, which is currently on digital platforms and her hope is to move it to bigger platforms where it can be accessed by more people in and outside Africa. Aina, thanks again for joining us. We were talking earlier about how when you initially started producing your show, there was very little interest by outlets or, or, or platforms, bigger outlets, so bigger platforms to acquire or much less buy your content at a value that you felt was worth the time, resources and quality of the content. But you said that the conversation has shifted and that you see a willingness on their part uh, to enter into a different conversation. What do you think has changed in the past couple of years that is making mainstream outlets reevaluate their earlier position vis-a-vis African content or your content just to be specific? I think the number one factor is as content producers and content curators, we also have to create and curate content that's extremely well produced in order for the value of what we're asking to go up, if that makes sense. Mm. So I think there's so many content producers who are producing things, you know, in 2012, 2013, 2014, and the production value was not great. It was okay, but it wasn't fantastic. And I was one of those people. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to have someone to believe in my vision and said, okay, I'm going to try to help you out. 
here's how you develop an infrastructure for the business that you're trying to create. Right, so right. I think that's so I, I think that's one avenue in terms of interest has grown. Um, Bloomberg just launched a Bloomberg Africa, I believe, sometime early on this year. Mm. You have international brands, sort of, you know, CNN and all these other corporations and Al Jazeera. They've been on the continent, but it was still from their perspective, and they realized that we want things told through our vision, through our perspective, through our lenses. So I think they're giving us a little bit of that pie in order for us to create those things. And also consumers are demanding it. You have African Americans who are like, oh, what is this? Africa is no longer this thing that's just so far away. Now they have access to it. We're in schools together and they do realize that, oh, they're just like us. We have the same experiences as well. It was just history that kind of brought us apart. And now I believe that we're building bridges for everyone to connect with Africa, whether or not you're a descendant of the continent or not. And there's a global transformation that's happening. We have ports everywhere around the world. As Africans, we've trekked. Mm. <laughs> you, know, it's, it's, you know, whether or not we want it to happen or whether or not we came, you know, through, you know, migration, you know, in different ways. I truly believe that Africans around the world are like, looking like, okay, we have ports, let's connect the dots, and we can see what we're all doing, whether it's Cuba, whether it's in Bahia, in Brazil, whether it's in London, whether it's in Paris, whether it's in Australia, whether it's in Asia. I just came back from Japan, um, and I was in Tokyo. I went out by myself one night, and I was at a club, and the DJ, he was Japanese. He was using Afrobeat to trans to, to create a mix between hip-hop and reggae, but he did not play the song. He only played the beat of the Afrobeat. Uh, and, so that, you know, that caught you off guard. I was, I, you know, I tripped off for a second. I was like, wait, <laughs> I know what's happening here. Like, what's going on? Right. You know, and so I looked up to him later on, and he barely spoke any English. And oh. I was like, thank you so much for giving me one of the most amazing nights in my entire life. Mm. And that was it. So it was, awesome. it was a pretty dope experience. That's Absolutely. awesome. Let, let me take you back a little bit to what you just said about some of these major media uh, houses uh, um, getting into creating content for the African audience or African content um, mm -hmm. versus you as a, I guess, a small-time player, independent player, just getting into this space, right. um, less resources. Um if you were to make a pitch to, say, an audience, what, what would you say you bring to, to the game that these people don't have? <laughs> this is a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I try to be as real as possible, given right. that... And Let's I get real on this one, yes. I will say up front, number one, mm. I am not a, I, I'm not a trained producer. I did not, you know, brightest eye of Africa... I did not work in media. Granted, I have to to mention also just you know to put in a, you know pitch a good word in for you. I've I've watched your trailer. It's 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 a, it's on the same level as any great production I've ever seen. So thank you so much. Um, so I think the realist what I bring to the table is authenticity, is passion, mm. and it's building gaps between communities. Um, do you, you know, do you think that? comes through for somebody who's actually watching it. They'll see it and say, you know, there's, there's authenticity in this story that I'm watching right now. Does I it, believe so. Yeah. I, so, I, you know, I say to myself, I come, you know, I've worked in fashion for the past 11 years. In addition to that, I graduated from Temple University as a pre-med major. I worked in biotech, you know, so I've had an interesting career. Um, the one thing I will say is, I truly believe when you see two people talking on camera and you feel the energy and you feel the connection and you, you know, it's like you, you, you see the struggles of, you know, 
both people get into where they are in terms of their success and also their failures as well too that comes and it's not because it's my show mm. <laughs> i don't think it's because it's my show i think that's what people come back for um when i started the show i was a little bit uncomfortable being the face of the show because i'm like oh why do you know no one cares about you know me and also as a model i was used to being in, in front of the camera but without a voice um this show gave me a voice in addition to that it gave me a way to connect on a deeper level with human beings. And I think that's what people want to see because we care about storytelling, you know? I, I agree with you. I'm also very much into people being in front of the, of, of the camera. If you're going to tell the story, let me, let me look at the, the story through your lens and I want exactly. to see you interact with that that environment. At that. Now, we, we did talk earlier about how um, your, 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 targeted, your, your targeted audience uh, uh, kind of evolved along the way, you know, mm-hmm. through your journey. Uh, but is, is there a demographic or people that you would love actually would be watching uh, Eye of Africa? I would love someone in middle America who has no context behind what Africa is, who's been, you know, they think Africa, they've only, got, they've only gotten one perspective about what Africa is and who Africans are, you know, and that negative typically, not typically, but sometimes negative. It mm. is changing slowly. You know, I want a 60-year-old white male to turn on web, you know, for now it's on YouTube, go on the YouTube page and say, let us see what this girl is talking about. Mm-hmm. I want you to go see the different textures and layers and complexities of what the content offers. It is the most diverse, the most beautiful. Um, you know, when you talk about natural resources, it is mind-blowing. When you talk about human capital, that's another conversation that we can start, to, you know, that we can talk about. And when you look about, when you think about the journeys of not just not just immigrants of, you know, that look like me, but immigrants of different colors. There's an Indian community, there's a Jewish community, there's a Dutch community there. You think about, wow, this is not this war-torn continent. Africa is not a country, but it is a country, Right. if that makes sense. Mm. That's why I want to see my content. Someone that is extremely close-minded to just see a different angle, a different perspective of who we are and what Africa truly is. you are in Afadina, you can check her digital series at iofafrica.com. That is iofafrica.com. Now, Africa is the world's second largest and second most populous continent with over a billion people and a multitude of cultures. The continent is brimming with lots of knowledge, with lots of stories and experiences that are authentic and, and, and inspiring, and they need to be told. Nena Kaluma Kanjwala is the editor and publisher of Radiant Health magazine. She produces Africa-focused health content to guide, inspire, and equip her readers to live a healthy and happy life. I reached her in Atlanta. I wanted to find out how she's been able to gain readership for her magazine. So we feature content on health and wellness, um, where we showcase um, spotlights on individuals and organizations who are doing things right. We, us- we publish two special issues, um, features that focuses on a social, cultural health issue and one that is solely on a particular health issue. So, for instance, this issue that, that is coming out um, is a mental health issue, which is something that we don't talk about. So in this issue, you'll be able to read about it from the cultural perspective, from 
um, personal essays of Africans who are living with, you know, mental issues of uh, mental illness. And, you know, we talk about uh, nutrition. We have a section that is quite popular that um, we call the local champ. And this is where we pick one African food, you know, like a plant or a spice, and we sort of describe what that what um, that food is about mm. and the health benefits. And we do this. We put quite a bit of effort in research to come up with um, the information. And, of course, the recipe will be based on um, on the, the local champ that we've described. We have... Uh, we have a beauty and style section. And, you know, I, I should also mention that we really try not to produce kind of fluffy material. You know, we, we're, I assume that we're, we're publishing for also an intelligent base, right? So, mm. for instance, our style section, which talk about um, uh, eco-friendly fashion or ethical fashion. And we sort of go into depth about it, what it means to you as an African consumer. And, you know, who are the um, fashion houses or fashion designers who are producing ethically made fashion. Now, let's, so, we, we'll get into, yeah. we'll get into uh, the readership and distribution and some of the content in, in the magazine. But let's, let's learn a little bit about Nena first. How, what is your background? How do you, what was your inspiration into getting into publishing uh, health information, yeah, he- health uh, literature? You know, I'm, I'm trained as a pharmacist, and then I transitioned into public health, and now I'm publishing Radiant Health magazine. But the whole idea behind it really came about from my own experience with my father's illness. Um, when I was young growing up in Nigeria, and he had to have a heart surgery that wasn't available in country, and so he had it in the U.S., but when he came back, he had to come up with a healthy diet for him. And, you know, you know, being the African man that he is, he's not going to have salad greens, you know, most of the day. So we had to come up with something for him. African men don't eat salad? Is that what you're trying to say? No, no. That's what I'm, <laughs> <laughs> that what I'm trying to say, Your Honor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. And so your father had to change his diet. Having grown up not eating certain foods, you had to find a diet that fits his uh, new health uh, reality. Right. But the, the, the problem with this is it's not that we don't have healthy food, you know. Part of the problem is that even if you do, you don't know how to, there just wasn't information out there on what to do. You know, mm. and several years later, after I've gone through my own education, which was really me going into health field was really motivated by my experience. But, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, you find out that there's still not that sort of credible information out there. You know, if that's what you wanted, you would still have a really hard time finding it. And so that was really, you know, one of the main impetus for me to found um, to start Radio Health. And so, first of all, were you able to get your father to start eating salad? No. <laughs> <laughs> but out of that idea, Radiant Health was born because you wanted to give uh, information to provide access to information of of this nature to you know people of African descent or Africans in on, yes. in, in Africa and in and in, in the diaspora. Let's talk about the magazine itself and how it's doing. What was what has the reception been like for Radiant Health? Uh, you've been at it for what two almost two years now. Yes, about two years. Yeah. Um, what has been the reception like? The reception has been fantastic. Really, uh, the one thing that I I hear most often is you know people say, "Well, finally." 
you know, well, finally. <laughs> Which means there's been a need. It's just that there's yeah, not been, you're you feeling so a need that has uh, been there. Yeah, mm. so the people who know of it, you know, that's really the response that I get, which tells me there's a need and we just need to find a way to let more people know about it and to let more people tell us what it is that they would like to read so we can be sure that we're producing um, content that meets um, that meets the needs we need. Do you feel that the investors would be open to, say, putting money behind uh, Radiant Health magazine? Is it something that you feel like, or do, you, uh, or, or do you feel like they would be hold back a little bit based on your audience, your target audience being Africans? You know, I, I think um, I think right now Africa is hot, you know, in terms of people trying to penetrate the African market. Mm. So in some ways it could be very attractive to investors. And um, on the other hand, too, they might be hesitant because, I don't think there's a lot of precedent for what I'm doing, especially when it comes to content media marketing specifically to to an African audience. So it just depends, you know, it has to be the right investor has to come along who knows, um, who can see sort of what the challenges might be and what the, um, what the huge potential is. Thank you very much for listening to Upfront on the Voice of America. I would like to thank my co-host Nadia Samin Johansberg, South Africa. We would also like to thank all our listeners who contributed to the show this time around. And if you have any questions or comments or want to contribute to the show in future, remember to send us an email at upfront at voanews.com. If you want to connect with me on Twitter, my handle is at upfrontafrica. Let's connect again next week, right here, same time. On behalf of my colleague Nadia Sami, my name is Jackson Vungani. Goodbye.